So I honestly don't know why I woke up that morning and said, this is where I the day I draw the line. Welcome to the Depression Files, where we talk about everything related to mental health. From depression and other mental illnesses, to medication, to suicide awareness and prevention, to our current mental health system, and of course, to the stigma that surrounds mental illnesses. We educate those who may know little about mental illnesses while giving hope to those who may be suffering. I'm your host, Al Levin, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, Patrick, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, so again, you know, I got your name uh, from someone at uh, Face It, which is one of is uh, a support group that I still attend, and I know you do as well. Right. And uh, so I'm really excited that you're here. First time to meet you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Anything I can do to help advocate for uh, mental health awareness, especially for men, I'm glad to do it. Awesome. Hey, can we start just by sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, I'm married father of two uh, great teenage daughters. Uh, I work as a, a book editor. I edit uh, basically... Um, a lot of sports bi biographies and histories and things like that for the uh, elementary and middle school uh, library market. So books that you'll find in, in those libraries, series of books. Um, I work for a company that works with publishers to get those things done. And so okay. I edit those and I write and I'm a freelancer. I cover sporting events around town for different outlets from time to time as a writer. Okay, yeah, cool. It keeps me busy. Where, when you're uh, freelancing, where do you try to get published? Or is it anything? Is it um, magazines? Actually, I do a lot of work for the Associated Press. Okay. So it's a wire, you know, the wire service. They just they set up a schedule with some other freelancers and ask me if you know what days I'm available and hook me up with it. Cool. And then do they give you actually the topic as well and ask you to do a piece? Um, no, it's just covering the games themselves. So they'll send, you know, we'll get the press pass and they'll send us to the games and then it's whatever you know we write about whatever comes out of the. Out of wow. the game. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds pretty, good. pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I did uh, a couple of wild games last two weeks. Did a couple of wolves games at the beginning of the of January. Do a lot of twins stuff in the summer. So wow, sounds like a pretty regular gig. Yeah, probably. I would guess it's about once a week. It averages out. Sometimes I don't have any. Sometimes I'll have two or three in a week. All right, cool, awesome. And how old did you say your kids are? Nineteen and thirteen. Okay. So the 19 awesome. year old is out of the house and the 13 year old is, uh, she's doing great. She's a seventh grader and keeping me busy. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so like I mentioned, I know you attend face it. Um, one of the, uh, the men's support group face it foundation.org. Uh, how long have you been going to face it? I think our group started up about two months ago and I missed the first session. So I think I've been to four or five sessions maybe now. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Plus one of the breakfasts. Okay. Fantastic. Is it your first time ever going to a support group? Yeah, I think it is, you know, for a group at least. Definitely. I've, um, you know, I've had a variety of therapists over the years, but this is the first time I've gotten together with another group of people to discuss our issues. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. In general. So we'll talk about it a little later, but in general, a uh, pretty good experience so far. Yeah. I really like it. The guys are great. Um, our leaders are wonderful. 
it really feels good to know that I can help other people yeah. and also know that I've got resources to help me with my stuff. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, uh, we'll come back to, to that. I, I definitely want to hear more about your experience in a support group. It's been uh, a tremendous um, piece of support for me as well. How long have you been going? Uh, I believe I've been there uh, about three years. Wow. So excellent. I'm about three years out from a major depressive disorder. And uh, I, my first night there was the night before I checked myself into uh, Daybridge at oh, Regions, okay. uh, partial hospitalization program. And I've been going ever since. Excellent. Uh, and I just, yeah, I love it. Love it. Yeah, I wish we'd meet more often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Frankly, exactly. I, I'd be up for it. Uh, in fact, that's funny that you mentioned that. I uh, talked Mark, the... Uh, the founder into letting me go join two groups, which I don't think they typically do, but Mm, I was so, so down that I was feeling the exact same way and uh, talked him into letting me join two groups quickly. One of them kind of folded. So it ended up just being in one Mm -hmm. every other week. But yeah, cause if you miss one, uh, it's a month out. out, It's, it's Mm -hmm. pretty uh, a lengthy time to be away from everybody. Uh, So start, uh, if you don't mind me asking like, how would you describe your depression? When did when did it creep up on you? When did you figure it out, um, and so forth? It's been part of me for as long as I can remember, but I didn't identify it when I was younger. It's only looking back on my childhood that I could see times when it's depression and anxiety. And I would guess that when I was a kid, it was more the anxiety that was more evident. Um, but the first time that I actually sought treatment for it was in 1998 and it was right after my um, oldest daughter was born and I just felt overwhelmed by the responsibilities and by just everything the expectations I guess is the, the the toughest thing I just felt like I was expected to be this superhero dad who did everything and husband and son and whatever I was doing for work at the time and you know every it felt like the weight of the world was just crushing me yeah and I went and saw somebody a actual like a medical doctor about it first like a family doctor yeah and he referred me to somebody at health partners who was kind of more of a holistic person and she didn't help much she told me to take St. John's wort and go for more walks because that was okay. actually all right. The the one of the issues that happened when my daughter was born. I also had just started a new job, and it was on the other side of town from where my health club was. I was a member at Lifetime, and I would probably work out, you know, maybe like three times a week. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough that once she was born, and I started working down in Egan, there was like no way that I was able to get back to a Lifetime and work out frequently. And so my exercise level really dropped. And that, you know, that's a killer if you have yeah. any kind of a depression going on. So that that probably kick-started it even further. Right. And then, you know, the St. John's Wort and the walking around the lake just didn't cut it. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it was a little bit more severe than that. And I would guess if within the next, you know, it was about two years later, uh, my wife, who's patient and a saint of a woman, basically said, this is it. You got to get some real help or you know or what yeah you know, there is no or we don't want to revisit what who don't want to you know look inside that box let's this just was get two years after, after going to the family doctor who just right. told you like 
Right. Okay. So I found a different doctor. He prescribed Zoloft, and it was almost immediate for me. I know they say that it's like four to eight weeks to build up in your system and have an effect. Right, right. And maybe it was the placebo effect, but that weekend, the first weekend that I was taking, I was like, wow. Yeah. Just, I felt like a different person. Right. So I've been on I've been on meds for 16, 17 years almost now. Okay. And I have no problems with being on meds and being on it for the rest of my life. I know a lot of people say, well, how long can I, do I have to be on these before I can stop taking them? And I don't even view it that way anymore. I just view it as, you know, it's one more thing like vitamins and supplements and stuff that yep. I need to take to make sure that my body and brain stay healthy. Right, right. So a couple things uh, that I want to ask about before you go on. One is uh, I'm just kind of a bit in shock and dismayed that a doctor would give you that type of advice, right? And I think it speaks to our medical system and and sometimes the lack of awareness, um, not to, to bash on anybody in particular, but sometimes I think the family doctors don't necessarily have a lot of training in the psychiatric piece For from sure. what I've read and heard about. And, and this was 20 years ago. True. So I think a lot has changed in for the better in that in that time. Yeah, that's and a I'm good sure point. And I'm sure there were doctors, I, I, if I hit the right one 20 years ago, they probably would have gotten me started on something immediately. But yeah, it did take me a little bit of time before I found somebody who was willing to cross that bridge. Yeah, and then it sounds like your wife uh, pretty much gave you an ultimatum almost. Um. Yeah, you know, it was a... It, she didn't say, I'm leaving you if you don't do this, but it. she basically showed me just how hard it was to live with me. Yeah. She put it all on display and was like, this is what I'm going through. Cause she's trying to be a mom to a toddler and have a career. And she's got this super depressed, angry, you know, freaking out husband all the time. So my, my symptoms were, um, manifested by a temper. Um, you know, I would be, really sullen and then I'd be snappy and then, you know, I wouldn't do anything physical, but it was a lot of yelling, a lot of slamming stuff around. I was mad at myself all the time right? and I would take it out on her. And so it was not pleasant to live with. I can imagine that was basically what she spelled out for me and said, this is why you need to get real help. And I said, all right, I get it. Was, uh, so how did that feel when she kind of laid that out there for you? Was it kind of eye-opening, or had you kind of seen it all along and didn't really want to talk about it? Yeah, I think the latter. I think I knew, but denial runs strong in my family. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I, you know, pushed it off and said, well, you know, it'll go away on its own. Just don't worry about it. Don't talk about it, and it won't be a problem. And that's that doesn't work. I think that uh, a couple of the pieces you just mentioned really uh, ring true for men in particular, I think. One is the, I just got to buck up and I'll get mm-hmm. through this, mm-hmm. right? You know, I can do this. Every man goes through this, right? And then uh, secondly, the uh, the anger piece. You know, I've read a lot about men particularly have that as a symptom. And, and that is a symptom I didn't have. Um, and like you said, I mean, everybody's kind of manifest differently. Right. I'm thinking that... I don't know this is my dime store psychology uh, diagnosis, but I think that tends to happen when you have the anxiety in addition mm. to the depression. I would think because that to me that it would always spike in moments when I was feeling overwhelmed and pressured, as right. opposed to just feeling blah and I can't get out of bed. 
it yeah. was hard to muster up any kind of emotion in those days. Right, right. So it would be the anxiety that it would trigger the temper. Yeah. So getting that on, and it, and when I look back on it, I always had a rotten temper when I was a little kid. So I, I'm guessing that getting the anxiety under control has helped that a lot. Right, right. I think the anxiety and depression oftentimes go kind of hand in hand oh, yeah. and are almost kind of tricky to pull out and decipher which is mm-hmm. which at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say you think you've had it all your life, I mean, literally, like as a kid, you think you went through depression and didn't really realize it and family may not have realized right. anything? Yeah. Um, I don't know about depression so much, but anxiety for sure. Uh-huh. Um, I was a worrier. I'm always, I still am, but i as far back as I can remember, I would worry about, you know, my parents getting killed in a car accident or our house burning down or, you know, my cat running away or things like that. Just silly things that, you know, are random and can happen to anyone, but it's not worth your time to worry about it because you can't control it. Right. But, right. you know, I, I expended a lot of energy worrying about these things, but I didn't know at the time that that was different. I just assumed everybody had these kind of problems and everybody felt like this. And so why talk to anyone about it? Because it's just what you got to do and you got to suck it up. Right. So I just buried it and, and lived with it and assumed everyone else was living with it as well. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until, you know, I got much older when I started learning more about depression and mental health. And I started realizing or recognizing myself in some of the, the symptoms that I was reading about that that aren't normal. Right. Right. So take us back again. You mentioned, uh, you know, your wife kind of laid it out for you. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, we're not going to live this way. Mm-hmm. Right. You had explained you had the new kid, which is super overwhelming. Yep. And, uh, in addition to a different job, it yep, sounded like, job. right. So, so you had a lot on your plate. Um, so when you went to the doctor, do you remember that appointment well, and, and got- being prescribed medication and stuff? Um, vaguely. I mean, I remember the guy's face when I was explaining it all to him and he was a kind of a kindly older guy with a big bushy beard and, and he just said, yeah, sounds like you've got depression. And I'm like, "Hmm." so yeah. And he gave me a couple samples of Zoloft right there on the the spot and then wrote a, a prescription and said, get started on this and we'll check in in a month. And, you know, like I said, the effect was almost immediate with me. Yeah. How were you feeling at the time? Were you kind of like, whoa, this is kind of surreal? I'm on medication all of a sudden? or A little bit. Um, but I've had many family members who have gone through similar things. Um, so it wasn't completely alien to me. Okay. Yeah. So, again, I I'd kind of resigned myself to the fact that I was going to have to do this. Yeah. So, in a way, it was just here's my helper. This is what's going to get me through it. Yeah. So it sounds almost like it was a relief. Like, yeah, great. Yeah. There's something that can help me now. Yeah. And yeah, just knowing that it's not, I'm not completely helpless. Right. So you took the, started taking Zoloft. Sounds mm-hmm. like it was a great impact. I know you acknowledge that maybe it was a little bit of placebo, but, but it certainly seemed to help you out right mm-hmm. away. Um, any other steps that you took immediately? Like, shit, this is serious. Mm. I better uh, do something about this. At the time, I still didn't know that much about um, about the the big picture of mental health. I knew that working out helped me feel better, so I tried to do that more, but that was hard. Um, so no, I really didn't do much more than that, you uh-huh. know. And it, 
And treating the symptoms with medication is one thing, but that's not going to cure it. It's not going to get to the root of the problem. Right. It's just going to cover things up. So covering it up for a while worked, and it was great. But eventually, I had to dig deeper. Yeah. No, I think the the way you're putting it is is really right on. Like, it kind of jump starts you feeling better mm-hmm. and then then allows you to kind of really look at the big picture and figure out what you have to do i do think um that some people who take medication um and that's all and they think that's going to fix everything are probably those who may re- tend to relapse more often because they aren't looking at the bigger issue they aren't looking at the rest of their health um and they're they're just kind of hoping and relying on the one pill yeah um so you did mention some therapy and stuff. When yeah. when did you start therapy and was that your wife's idea too or was that something you decided? No, something I decided. Um, after about five years of being on the meds, we actually moved to Las Vegas and we spent four years in Vegas. My oh, wife cool. got a killer job offer. We decided, you know, our kids are still pretty young. Let's do it while we can. Let's get out there and have fun and see what it's like. And it was, you'd think it would be, you know, you hear Vegas and you think, well, that's awful and bad place to raise your kids and, and all the temptations and whatnot. But you know, it was really good for us because moving into a new city and this could have happened anywhere, but moving into a new city, we were able to set up our lives in a way that we had so much more family time than we had in the past. So we bought a house that was within two miles of my wife's office and our church and our grocery store and the health club and all those things were in the kids' schools. They were all within about a five-mile radius. Oh, nice. So we were really concentrated there. Um, before we moved out there, my wife was working in Maple Grove, and we live in South Minneapolis. So she was driving 45 minutes each way on a good day. Right, And here right. instead, she's driving five minutes each way, <laughs> no matter what the kind of day it was. So we figured, yeah, we got back at least an hour to an hour and a half a day of family time. And it really did bring us together closer as a family. So it worked out great in that sense for us. And while I was out there, I was just working on my writing and freelancing and being Mr. Mom um, or, you know, just being a dad. It was great. But that led me to, you know, I had a lot more time on my hands and a lot more time to think about and reflect and learn more about my disease. And that got me thinking I should probably talk to somebody about this and that was my wife always supported that too she was also of the belief that you can't just medicate this thing away it's still there right so um yeah so I, i saw a therapist out there um and she was good and then i saw another guy um after you know the health plan changes and things you wind up you can't keep seeing the same person because you have new insurance so I, i worked with a couple different um people out there that worked pretty well and my primary care provider um, switched me off of Zoloft for a while. Okay. They said the uh, you know there was some studies showing that you can build up a resistance to it, or if you you know if you have it too long, it starts to lose its effectiveness. So they put me on Wellbutrin, okay. and that was horrible. <laughs> okay. That, I, that was a big crash. I had I was probably on it for two months, and by the end of the second month, I was as low as I'd ever felt. Wow. And we fortunately were able to diagnose that and get it changed quickly. And they put me back on the Zoloft and things uh, leveled off and went back to feeling good, not great. But I knew that I still had, you know, I still had 
issues I had to dig into. Right. And it started at therapy there, but it's continued. We moved back here in 09 and I started seeing a, a therapist regularly, probably three, two, three years after that. So I've been going to the same moment now for about four years. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And like how, going, how frequently do you go? Uh, one to two or, uh, every week to every other week. It's so probably, probably averages out to about three times a month. Okay. No more than once a week. Right. And even if you're feeling great, you yeah. keep going. Actually, that's the best time to go because yeah. then you can, when you're feeling great, you can look at the big picture and start to figure out what it is that you need to tackle. If you're feeling miserable and you go, you're just dealing with immediate issues. Yeah. And that, you know, that's great. It's good to have someone to help me with that. But yeah. it's a lot better to be able to go and, and look at the big picture and try to figure out what I need to do to, to make changes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think, um, you know, I've heard from some people who lived out East or from the East coast who say going to the therapist is like going to the gym. Like right. everybody does it and everybody talks about it. Right. Yeah. And here I still even feel like just saying there, I see a therapist mm-hmm. is a little bit of a stigma, right? Like, definitely. Oh, you see a therapist. It's What's not going a, on with you? Yeah. It's not a Midwest thing at all. Yeah. But yeah, you watch TV and you know, you watch whatever shows that are based in New York or, or Boston or whatever. And yeah, they talk about going to therapy all the time. Yeah. And, and I think that's real life out there. It is. And that's, you know, that tells you a lot about kind of our Midwestern sensibilities and yeah. how it's easy to deny things and to try to hold, you know, wish them away. Right. Right. Cause it's harder to talk about them. Yeah. I like your uh, point just about when you're healthy is probably one of the best times you can be going to a therapist to really mm-hmm. be planful, thought, thoughtful about things and, and attack everything while you're healthy and can really think about it. Right. Yeah. You can't put strategies into play to prevent it if you're already in the throes of a exactly. major episode. So yeah. when you're in an episode, just do what you can to get your mental health stabilized and get back to you know, get your head above water and then you can start planning on what can you do to avoid it right in right. the future. So I had probably my worst episode uh since when I went off of uh Zola for a while last fall, this past fall. Oh, okay. Um fairly recently. Yeah. And leading up to actually it was leading up to the election and I got so immersed in campaign stuff and social media and that is not good and you know that just you can really spiral quickly if you get too immersed in things like that yeah. immersed and like keeping up on it or were you actually going um, back and active? forth with people yeah you know former uh like high school classmates who uh were like on facebook and things and trying to argue back and forth our points and you know it's not it's not healthy because it's not going to ever convince anybody's Mind, you know, anybody to change their minds and right, you really right. aren't really sharing that many perspectives. You're just sort of beating your chest and it's just worthless. But I got sucked into that and, you know, you know it was a pretty unrestful summer with the protests and, and everything else that was going on with Black Lives Matter and um, just there was so much social unrest and I was really starting to feel it emotionally. It yeah. got to me. And I woke up on election day actually and said, I need to do something different. I really need to do something different. So I took a, uh, a 
break from drinking. That's one thing. I, you know, I was probably drinking more often than I wanted to or should be um, leading up to that. So I said, all right, I'm going to go cold turkey. And, uh, and that was great. And I, uh, I started practicing more mindfulness uh, awesome. things. And I, at the time, I'd only been going to my therapist probably every other week. And so we, we committed to make it every week. Great. And I committed to doing a lot more. Just, you know, there's, like I actually keep a mental health journal now. Awesome. And, and I jot down every day. I try to at least every day jot down what I've done to promote my mental health, whether it's as simple as taking my meds yeah, um, or getting seven to eight hours of sleep or going for a walk or yeah. whatever it is, or playing, you know, playing video games with my daughter or something, you know, something silly like that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. Reading That's a, awesome. Reading a book, you know, anything that can help you sort of stay focused and, and calm down and, and center yourself. It's funny that you mentioned that one of the uh, one thing I did when I was in a deep, deep, dark depression, I had always heard about journaling. I journaled every single night. And at the end of every entry, I wrote today in order to work towards recovery, I and I just made some bullet points exactly like that. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it was I got out of bed and went to Daybridge. Right. Or I played a game with my daughter. You know, it Mm -hmm. was. I mean, I was trying to acknowledge every little thing because it's friggin' hard when you're in that depressive state. It is, and you don't realize how much you actually are doing. You know, you're fighting every day Absolutely. to survive when you're in in those in that mode, and you don't you you don't realize it unless you can step back and appreciate every little step that you're doing to fight. And you're right, just getting out of bed some days and taking a shower, getting dressed. That can be enough. That can be a lot on some days. Yeah, yeah. I think so many people in the general public do not understand how debilitating Mm-mm. depression can be. Um, so, and uh, yeah, so I wanted to touch a little bit too on um, you had mentioned your doctor took you off of the Zoloft. I have heard of something called the Prozac poop out is a mm-hmm. name the psychiatrists have used, I think, to describe when you're on a medication so long that it starts losing effect. Mm. Um, and the other thing I've heard from some guys that face it, actually, is that sometimes if they've been on for many, many, many years on the same medication, they eventually become they feel numb to all feelings almost oh, like wow. they can't become sad. Right. Like, I yeah. mean, if, if somebody no, you care about, <laughs> somebody ca- you care about dies, like you want to be able to be mm-hmm. sad and, mm-hmm. you know, cry if it's going to be crying. Yeah. And, um, so those are some things that I have heard about long-term use, but, um, yeah, or maybe changing dosages. Yeah. Cha- the dosages have changed a little bit. And then the last, I think two years, maybe, uh, my new primary care doctor put me on well, uh, half a dose of Wellbutrin to go with the Zoloft. Okay. And he said that in some people they can interact really well together and, um, it has made, I think it's made a difference. It made okay. A difference at Fantastic. The time. Yeah. Have you ever considered using a psychiatrist instead of a family doctor? And has your doctor ever mentioned anything Actually, about this that? last time we did? Yeah. Um, this last, after this last episode, I went and I had a, fortunately I had a physical scheduled that week anyway. So I went and told my doctor what I was going through, and he did set up an appointment with a psychiatrist, and uh, they basically went through all everything that I or I went through everything I, I'm going through with them. Right. And right. they said 
it looks like you're doing all the right things and that your you know your doctor has given you the right meds that you know that okay. we, they think that what I was on was appropriate but that was a recommendation from your doctor to see the psychiatrist yes. yep. oh that's awesome because mm-hmm. uh, I think I know with my doctor I don't remember if he suggested it or if I suggested it but he certainly agreed with it because mm-hmm. um, meds weren't cutting it for me at one point when I was getting deeper and deeper and he said yeah you know I think your situation is more complicated and I, I respected him all the more for saying that to sure, recognize absolutely. that that my situation was complicated. Um, things were getting complex around the medication and around my depression. And uh, so I started to see a psychiatrist at kind of his urging, I, I believe it was. Okay, well, that's good, yeah. Yeah, so I just did, I went, I guess there were two appointments. The first appointment was sort of the intake, uh, like a physician's assistant who heard, listened to my story and then decided which person I should see. And okay. then she set me up with another person. I went and gave her my uh, rundown again, and yeah, that's where she said, "Yep, sounds like you're doing the right things." Right. Okay. Awesome. So, what were? Uh, how did you notice during this kind of election period that you were going downhill? God, I really don't know. It was grace of God, you know. I mean, did it feel fast, sudden, like all of a sudden you were like, "Yeah, oh, oh crap, I'm in the middle of this again." Yeah, it's like I woke up that morning and just said, "What the hell's wrong with me?" You know. Um, I just I was in such a miserable place emotionally. And this was even before, you know, before the election results came in. Yeah. This was had nothing to do with the actual results. It's about the process, about my life. And it was like just something snapped. Something Yeah. I honestly can't tell you what it was. Same kind of symptoms in as in the past? I mean, did yeah. you see yourself getting angry again? Um and- not angry so much. Maybe a little bit. Um it was more you know, spending way too much time online and not exercising. And like I said, I was, you know, probably drinking three or four beers, like three or four nights a week. And it's like, just, it's not, it wasn't healthy physically or mentally for me. Right. So I honestly don't know why I woke up that morning and said, this is where I, the day I draw the line. Yeah. But I did. Had your wife said anything to you? Like, whoa, it looks like you're spiraling down. She was preparing to, she said. So she was glad that I, you know, I noticed something right away. So I actually went into work that morning and told my boss that I need some kind of help and awesome. I'm going to need some time to figure this out. And I hadn't really told him my story okay. at all. So I, you know, I told him a little bit about what I've been dealing with. And Was he supportive? He was great. Okay, he was wonderful. Awesome. You know, he basically gave me the rest of the day off to go make whatever calls I needed to make to set up appointments. And then when I had appointments, he was fine with it. And I actually had... This was in November, and I actually had, like, I had to burn 40, 48 hours of PTO before the end of the year because I couldn't carry it over. So okay. I ended up taking, like, six days off, right? which really helped, too. It was a nice little mental health vacation. So those six days off, what were those like? Oh, I worked out every day. I read a lot. You know, I focused on... Um, doing things that are going to help my mental health. Okay, uh, awesome. One thing I've started doing is coloring. <laughs> cool. Yeah, like the little adult coloring books with colored pencils yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. do that occasionally, not a lot, but yep. I did it actually tonight before I came over. It really kind of calms me down and, and focuses my mind. 
I've been using the uh, uh, seasonal affective disorder light. Okay. So we got one of those, right. and we we talked about it for years, saying we should get one. It's one of those things you should, but we never do. And this time we did, Great. and uh, I've been like I sat with it for about twenty minutes today, just because on a day like today where it was so gloomy, you really need it. I was okay this week, and I didn't. I didn't use it this week because I got out. I actually got out and did walk around the lake, and you know I yeah. spent at least an hour in the sun each day. But I've been yeah, I've been working on trying to get uh, vitamin D, and right. and that all makes such a difference. So um, it's interesting, and you know obviously everybody's depression looks and feels different. Um, I talk a bit about how I took ten days off of work the first time I needed to take work off. And looking back on it, I always refer to it as like one of the worst mistakes I could have made Hmm. because I was so depressed that I was just stuck in bed. Yeah. And and perseverated on it. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go out because I was taking time off of work and I didn't want to see people I knew who were like, why aren't you at work? Mm -hmm. And I would make lists of things to do, like clean the bathroom or do this. And and I couldn't do any of it. Mm -hmm. Um and really, for me, it was killing time while I was hoping some medication would help out. Yeah. And uh, didn't work, went back to work, and then eventually took the three weeks off to, to check into the partial hospitalization program. Um, but that's awesome that, that those really were helpful uh, for you. Yeah, you know, it was, I get overwhelmed by having tasks that I need to do, and sometimes I just need time away from all my other responsibilities to focus on them. So, I mean, I got some Christmas shopping done and did some cleaning. I mean, just little things like that. My office is a nightmare at home. It's just papers and crap everywhere. So clearing that out and at least getting started on clearing that out, I, I honestly believe that my office is a reflection of my my mental health at right, times. Right. So if it piles up with crap, I know that something's going on with me. Yeah. So getting in there and really digging that out felt great. Yeah. And so having time to do that, yeah, it really was, uh, it was perfect timing to take that time off for me. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's awesome that your boss was supportive. My boss was the same way. The first time, uh, I decided to bring up my depression to him because it was seemed like it was getting worse and worse. My wife and I talked about like, I should share with my boss because I don't want my work Um, performance to go down and him not to understand why or anything. I asked him if I could meet him at a coffee shop before work, told him what I was going through. And he immediately said, go home, like go home and take the time you need. And it was just like heartfelt, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. It was clearly he, he was doing it because he cared. Right. In fact, um, as I walked out of the coffee shop, he called my wife to make sure she knew I was coming home and to make sure I was, home safely yeah so he was incredibly supportive and i think a supportive boss particularly when you need to take time off or if you need adaptations at work and whatnot is Mm -hmm. is pretty crucial yeah i knew that my boss would be supportive right i I don't want to say i knew that but i sensed he would because he's just a good guy yeah and uh um, I've worked for other guys who I wouldn't have told this to. Right, In right. fact, didn't. I've never told any of my bosses about this, but some of them I probably should have and just would not have felt comfortable talking with them about it because they're more of the, you know, the stoic, get-it-done kind of guys. Yeah. And I guess maybe my current boss is 
a little bit more sensitive. I don't know. He just he comes across as a guy who cares about his employees. Right. So that helped a lot. And isn't that like how every work environment should be, oh, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. let's take care of our employees. Let's care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, take care of them. Make sure they're healthy and can be at their best. I mean, your employees are your assets, your biggest asset Absolutely. at work. And if you treat them like crap, they're going to be miserable and their production isn't going to be great and they'll probably leave. Yeah. So I've never understood how bad bosses keep getting hired and and they keep going up the ladder. Yeah. But that just depends on the company. Yep. Um, I really, uh, I like the uh, fact that you do the coloring Mm -hmm. for me, um, at Daybridge. I remember before I started there and mentioning it to some guys that face it at the support group, like, yeah, there's this like arts and crafts time there. And they were joking like, Oh yeah, the, the noodle projects and whatnot. And, uh, I ended up, uh, really kind of latching onto, um, pastels and doing some art. And I'm not, I've never considered myself an artist at all, Mm -hmm. but it's been really fun because that's something that I've brought home to the kids too. And now like they love taking out the pastels and it's something that I do with the kids. But I think the coloring, the, the pastels, it's all, part of the mindfulness piece, yes. right? It's very calming, mm-hmm. meditative. You just focus on that. And, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. I've been trying to get more into meditation and I actually, I started doing it when we were in Vegas and I fell asleep every time I did it. So, yeah. and I thought that was wrong. Now I understand that if you fall asleep in some ways that, you know, that means you're really, you're really in the the meditative state it's okay if it shouldn't just quit your practice just because you fall asleep Absolutely. keep at it so um i've done a lot of reading about meditation too um i read a book by dan harris i think his name he's an abc um anchor news anchor okay and it was called 10 percent happier i think is the name right of the book. i've seen that book yeah. i never read it it's it's a good read it's a pretty quick read but it does yeah. it, it talks a lot about the the benefits of meditation, different ways you can do it, and his process from going from a guy who would never even think about it to a guy who practices every day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that was good. That's one thing I try to do is a lot of reading about um, other people who have had this issue yep. or similar issues or listening to podcasts. Yep. This is going to be great, but there are a couple other good podcasts out there that I listen to. Yeah, that, absolutely. Uh, you know, that I try to... Um, I just I feel like I can connect with those people, or you you don't feel so alone, right? When right. you understand that other people Absolutely. are going through, and you hear what their stories are. Yeah. So the um, the meditation piece, um, I've been uh, you know I think from what I've read about it, one of the largest one key point with it is not beating yourself up about it, right? Yeah. Like if you're trying to focus on your breathing, and all of a sudden thoughts come in. Mm-hmm. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just let the thought go yeah. and try to refocus on your breathing. Right. If the more you, fall, you fight it, the more you're going to hang on to it. Yeah, exactly. If you fall asleep, no big deal. I think that's pretty common, especially with people in the beginning yes. of learning to meditate and practicing mm-hmm. it. But really, it's it's going easy on yourself. And that's um, so I have found it. I really enjoy it. I don't do it as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother just gave me a meditation pillow to sit on. Cool. So, um, and I will have to check out that book, a book that I just started reading, uh, yesterday is a book called, um, depression moving from cope to hope mm-hmm. the catch 22. 
And I just love mm. the idea of the catch 22 because this person really talks a lot about everything you need to do to recover from depression is squashed by the symptoms of depression. Sure. Right. Yeah, right. You should be more social, but you isolate, right? Mm-hmm. You should eat and be healthy, but a lot of people either overeat and gain weight mm-hmm. or can't eat and, and lose a ton of weight. I lost almost 60 pounds wow. through depression. I probably gained that much since I started on the Zoloft, which yeah. I'm not blaming the Zoloft for it, but that eating for me is a coping mechanism. Yeah, and I right. Know that. So, and I know drinking has been at times too, and not working out, you know, in yeah. some ways, like sleeping. I think sleeping actually can be a coping mechanism for me, which is an, a, to that unhealthy point. Like when we lived in Vegas, um, and I was, uh, my kids were at off to school and my wife was at work. A lot of times I'd, I'd nap all afternoon or not all afternoon, but a couple hours a day. And I wouldn't right. need to do that, but I just would cause it's easier than dealing with feeling like crap. So that when I'm napping way too much, it's definitely an issue. And sleep to me is sleep has always been a problem for me going uh-huh. back to when I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school, I kept a journal. First time I'd ever done that. Awesome. And I came across them a couple, uh, six months ago maybe. Right. I found them in a box, and I started flipping through them. And I was looking at I would always write down the time, the day and time when I'd start my entry. And they'd be at 1.45 a.m., 2 a.m., 3.30 a.m. Wow. on school nights. Oh, and my I'd, goodness. Well, because I remember, you know, I remember thinking about that now. It's like I would – I worked – for the newspaper in my hometown. Okay. And I would go out and cover high school sports in my senior year. I spent a lot of time where I'd go out and cover a game and then I'd you know, get back to the office at about nine thirty or ten and write it up and then I'd stay and take some phone calls from other games and write those up and we'd get the paper out at midnight and then I'd be wired because you just got some adrenaline going. Right, you've been right. working and doing something you love. So I'd go home and I'd be wide awake. I'd watch Letterman. I watched Letterman almost every night oh when I was a kid, goodness. and that was when Dave was on late. You know, he <laughs> wow. was—he wouldn't come on till midnight. And right. when I was in high school, I watched him probably every night. And yeah, then I would. So I'd finally wind down enough, maybe by one one thirty, that I would go upstairs and do my little journal entry and then go to sleep. But I probably was getting, you know, five hours of sleep my senior year of high school, yeah. and that's terrible. Ooh. Sleep is so important for a developing brain. Yeah. So I do think that um, my sleep patterns, I don't think they were a reflection of my depression. I think they exacerbated yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contribute then, to it for sure. Right. I and think. then you go into college, and then everything, you know, you'll pull all nighters. And I worked for two years. My job was night manager at a dorm where one night a week, you'd work an overnight shift. Okay. And so I'd be up all night long, yeah, one night yeah, a week. Yeah. And that, that that's awful for your body because you can't get into a regular sleep pattern then. Yeah, I think so you're I'd come home spot at like, on yeah. with that. So I was pounding caffeine and um, doing no-dos and just trying to stay awake for this shift. And then I'd get back and I'd sleep for a few hours or I'd go to class having not slept. And yeah. so my sleep patterns have always been screwed up and I've had – a few different jobs over the years where that can be hard. And when I've even now, when I'm covering games, um, when I get home from a wild game at 1130 or whatever, midnight after being there all night, it's hard to wind down. Yeah. Right. But you know, i I used to try to wind down with a drink or two and it's like, that's not that you actually sleep worse if you're yeah. drinking. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I've stopped that. And now when I'm the last couple months when I've been, 
having this post depression high high period i guess i'll call it i've been coming down home and trying to wind down by coloring you know yeah. that'll be one thing that oh, i'll that's do awesome yeah i think they talk a, well one thing i wanted to mention was it seems to me um like when you go to a therapist a psychiatrist um for treatment around depression one of the first things they try to get a handle on is your sleep Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure you're sleeping okay, because that is so such a large issue. In fact, there are some I've read some literature that talks about um, curing depression solely by going to a therapist to talk about sleep. I can see and that. to battle your insomnia, and that you can, can recover so much quicker from depression just by getting a handle on your sleep. Yeah, I also had killer sleep apnea for years, mm. and so I finally got on a CPAP about three and a half years ago okay. and that's made a huge difference right and now i'm sleeping through the night my wife's sleeping through the night <laughs> she yeah. doesn't hear me snoring but i'm getting oh you know i'm getting into that deeper sleep that rem sleep and it, it's the quality of sleep that i'm getting is making a huge difference too yeah so I if think- I, you know if i wasn't doing that if i wasn't doing all these little things that's like i say we want to beat ourselves up for the things we do wrong but if i wasn't doing a lot of those little things i wouldn't have been able to have that revelation that i had last fall that miracle at intervention or whatever that that realization that I came to yet it's it felt like luck it felt like divine intervention but at the same time I have to give myself credit for it was a product of the things that I was doing right at least I was able to at least you know make those steps forward and and that allowed me to figure it out for myself this time yeah absolutely and I think it's interesting how you mentioned like your wife was going to tell you yeah. soon, right? Yeah. One thing after my major episode of depression, uh, my wife had said she thought she saw it kind of coming on before me. And I've always told her, you know, you let me know if you see symptoms or things you're wondering if it may be depression again, because I think uh, the earlier we can catch signs, that's one of the benefits of having been through it, I think. Yeah. Like the earlier... I believe the earlier you catch the signs and symptoms of your own knowing yourself and then go hard at it, right? You started mm-hmm. coloring, you started the meditation, you mm-hmm. started everything um, to battle against it um, right when you realized you needed to um, so that I think that kind of ca- helps catch it early. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough, too, that I had seen, um, I'd seen a segment on the news about Face It. That oh. was that ran like in cool. October, I think, and I I remembered it at the time. I was not in a place where I felt like I needed to go to it, but I remember thinking, "Oh, that's kind of cool." There's a group for depression for guys. It seems like something that would be good, but never made the connection that I should pick up the phone and call right, them. Right, and right. Then finally, after I had this revelation, in November, I one of the first things I did was try to look up that information. I went to the station's website and went digging through and I finally found the segment. I was like, oh, faceitfoundation.org. Okay, so I went to the website and I submitted my my contact info and asked them to get in touch with me. And yeah, like the next day, Mark called. Sweet. And he had said, well, we've got a new group starting up and want you to be part of it if you are able to. And that's been just a huge part of my latest recovery. Ah, that's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that because I did want to circle back to that mm-hmm. conversation. Um, did you ever meet with Mark? No, I hadn't. In fact, okay. I met him at the last breakfast for the first time. Okay, because I know sometimes people even just call and I give his number out, you know, to people who I meet who are um, going through depression. 
And he, just like he did with me, he'll meet people out for coffee, mm-hmm. learn about their story and stuff. And usually, you know, convince them or, or talk to them about his support groups because that's kind of the biggest piece of intervention right. they have now. And no cost to the men, right? That's it's amazing. pretty phenomenal. It really is. Um, so you said you've gone how many months now? Just a few months to um, face yeah, it? Yeah, I think I started, our group started in mid-December and I missed the first one. So yeah, it's been a couple months now. And what was it like? Um, I've heard several people describe their first time walking through the door at Face It. Like, what was that feeling like? Mm. Was that a positive, a negative? Were oh, you scared? Were you? I was a little scared. Not scared as much as, you know, a little apprehensive, just not knowing quite what I was getting into. Right. But I also knew that I was going to meet with my people. You know, these are people who are going through what I'm going through and they're in a place where they know they need help and are out looking for it. And that's, you know, that I knew would make it a welcoming environment. And right. it was. And these guys had met once before and so... They hadn't even made it all the way around the circle and getting through the introduction stories. So I missed a few of the guys' stories. I've since caught up on them. But, um, but yeah, there were still like three or four guys besides me who hadn't. So it's almost like our first session lasted two sessions. Yeah, cool. Just to get to know each other. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And so it sounds like you immediately had a connection with them. Yeah. Um, so pretty comfortable, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Did you feel like you were kind of holding back or were you able and willing to share like everything from the get go? Everything. Yeah. I mean, if it's a safe space to do that and yeah, it's a non-judgmental group and great leaders and it just, yeah, it's very, it's very chill. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely, um, it's definitely a safe place to go and let down your guard if you need, if you feel like you need to do that. Yeah. Awesome. One of the things our group has started doing more of, but we've been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the facilitators have really pushed us to reach out to each other throughout our two weeks when we aren't together. So for example, if we know some dudes going on a job interview, you know, we ask, Hey, email us all, you know, how it goes at the end mm-hmm. of the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of guys, we're talking about um, reaching out to others if you're going downhill or if you want to meet up. So guys will text each other or email and invite each other out for a cup of coffee sometimes. Yep. So there's been a lot more of that. And that might take a little time with your group because they're so yeah. new. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to know each other through the group and connect with each other. But um, I think having been pushed in that direction by the facilitators has been great. And we've really kind of gelled as a group. Um and sometimes people come and go, you know, the groups uh, fluctuate a bit. Mm-hmm. Has your group remained the same as yep. everybody who's started stayed there, you think? Yes. Yep. Everyone who was there um, my first night has been back Great. multiple times. Awesome. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think we've had a couple um, sessions where one or two guys couldn't make it, but yep. they've, then they've been back since then. Yeah. So, yeah. We haven't lost anyone yet. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Sometimes some people show up and I think they think, uh, oh, this isn't for me or maybe they're just not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so every once in a while you'll get somebody I've, you know, I've been there, like I said, three years now. So you kind of see it all. And sometimes guys show up, they'll be at one or two and then they never come back. Sometimes they don't tell Mark why or anything. Other times, um, they'll give him a reason. Um, and some guys move and, and whatnot, yeah. but it's been, uh, an amazing, uh, support for me. And, uh, you know, my very first night there was the night before I started at Daybridge. 
Did you and know you were going into Daybridge? So I knew I was yeah. going into Daybridge, and uh, and I had known for a while about the support groups. Actually, a buddy of mine gave me Mark Meyer's number and said, hey, I happen to know this guy. All he does is work with men with depression. And I was like, shit, you've been holding out on me or what? Yeah, you're my yeah. best friend, and you're waiting until I'm suffering deep enough to tell me (laughs) that he not notice uh well he knew but i think it just didn't click with him like hey i should set you up with this guy Mm -hmm. so i think um it took me probably three weeks before i would even reach out to mark wow and uh because i was just so depressed and Mm -hmm. and whatnot and it took me like two times to tell my buddy hey can you give mark a call and let him know i'm gonna reach out this week don't reach out, you know, and then I tell right. my buddy again, let him know I'm going to call him. When I finally did, I met Mark for coffee, and uh, I think we probably went out and met for coffee a couple times, and he was like, you know, I just, I really think the support group would help you out. I just, hmm. yeah, I think it would, you know, and I would have different excuses like, oh, you know, it's tough for my schedule, and I've yeah. got the four kids and whatnot. So I I did go the night before Daybridge, and I was thinking I wanted to build up my support system before Daybridge so when I came out, I'd have some supports Mm -hmm. lined up. And I walked in, and I cried and shared my story for, like, the entire two hours of, like, bawling. And uh, it was pretty amazing. I didn't want the two hours to stop. I think I just felt an instant trust, Mm -hmm. um, even though I had never met these guys. Yeah, same here. Yeah, same here. You walk in and you just feel like, like, like I said, they're there for the same reasons that you're there. So exactly. you feel like you have that bond immediately. Yeah. Cool. So you plan and, and hope to continue going there, obviously, Absolutely. it sounds I'd like. I'd like to do more if, if there's more you know, opportunities available. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to make, um, I'm trying to be more public with my my advocacy. I yeah, guess is cool. the best way to put it. Like yeah. Changed my Twitter bio. I put um, mental health advocate. Yeah. And my top, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I do Twitter a lot. My top pinned tweet, if someone goes to my page, the first thing they'll see is a link to this Facebook post that I, I wrote. I think I told you about it. Yeah, I, I did read that. Yeah. Um, that was a big step in this latest re- bit of recovery was, it was the first time I'd ever kind of gone public with my story yeah and so you know i told a few people i was gonna do it like cool. my parents and things so they were prepared for it yeah and then i went out and i basically spilled my guts on facebook and made it public so that people could share yeah and said i'm, t- I'm telling you this not because i want you to feel sorry for me i'm telling you because i want you to reach out to me if you need help right and my god the response has been overwhelming i mean yeah. i got that night I probably got 10 text messages from different people and 20 different Facebook messages. And, but I ended up getting like 300 responses to the post, which you know normally I'll get four or five. Wow. So I was hearing from people I hadn't heard from in years. I was hearing from people who I didn't know at all because yeah. I made it a public post so that people can share the post. So people were sharing it onto their page. And so friends of friends were reading it and sharing it. And so I was getting, you know, I was getting comments from people I'd never met before. And, you know, I, I heard from a lot of friends who I didn't know were struggling with some of the same things. Right. Right. I had one friend ask me how I made or what my first step was. Cause apparently he's in that, you know, at that yeah. stage. And, 
you know, that right there was so rewarding to me because I basically said, if I can help one person, yep. then this will be worth it. Yeah. And I know I've helped at least one person. So that's right, great. Right. So I'm, I'm really trying to be more public with my advocacy. And so if there's anything that Faceit would need or any other groups, I would really like to, you know, if there are groups they need to go talk to or you want, I'm a writer, so I could yeah, you know, help yeah, write yeah. grant applications, things like that. Right. So I plan on talking to Mark about that. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I'd really like to. I, I've actually, I'm, I'm approaching fifty. It's a couple of years off yet, but I'm, I've been struggling with sort of this. And you can call it a midlife crisis if you want, but it's starting to feel like, my God, I'm, you know, I'm almost fifty, and what have I accomplished in life? And what is my, you know, what am I going to be doing for the next, God willing, thirty, forty years? Right, you know, right. what's my focus going to be? And I really feel like, this is my thing now mental health advocacy yeah. for guys right i really think that this is something that i can really devote a lot of my energy to to help improve other people's lives yeah that's awesome it sounds like very similar to kind of my experience and um you know i created a blog page i think you should do that you're a mm -hmm. writer for pete's sake yeah mm -hmm. but um but that's cool yeah i've become very passionate about it i'm glad to hear you have too mm -hmm. and uh yeah, so your story that you wrote, that was awesome. I did read it. I mentioned to you, Facebook is one of the pieces I've avoided as Man, an administrator. I think that's smart. But, um, but I did read it, so thank you for forwarding it to me. And I did want to ask you, if you don't mind, I know you talked about a tattoo you have on your arm, yeah. right? Can you share? Uh, there it is. Yep. I Sweet. Got my, my first tattoo. When did you get the tattoo? Um, about a month and a half ago. Okay. In early January. And it is uh, some lyrics from a song, right. and it reads... I thought that I was running to what I was running from. And it's a lyric from a guy named Jason Isbell, um, Southern singer-songwriter. And he's dealt with... Um, he's gone through major addiction issues and has beaten them. And he's sitting on top of the world now. And is awesome. one of, um, just one of the most inspirational people to me, seeing what battles he's fought and how he's overcome some of his demons. And uh, he wrote this song, and well, the first time I heard that lyric, it just was like a lightning bolt hit me. It's like, that's my life. I thought that I was running to what I was actually running away from. So I thought I was trying to be happy by eating too much, drinking, not working out. You know, I was trying to medicate myself in this one moment because I was so miserable that if I, well, at least I've got 10 minutes here with this uh, giant pizza that I'm going to be happy for this <laughs> right, next 10 right. minutes, you know? And what that actually did was make me miserable the next day. Right, and, right. And, and everything else going forward. So it's it's about living... Um, being accountable to yourself and living in the moment. And I put this on my arm. It's on my left forearm. So I'll see it multiple times every day. I'm hoping that people, you know, it's been winter, so I haven't been wearing short sleeves a lot, but I'm guessing that people will see it and ask me about it eventually. And I'll, right. you know, it'll be a chance for me to tell my story. Yeah. Awesome. That is really cool. What'd your wife think about it? She was supportive. She's not a tattoo person at all. Yeah. Um, my oldest daughter actually, set me up with the guy because it's her tattoo artist because <laughs> when she turned 18 she immediately like that day went out and got one right right um so you're going to your daughter's tattoo yes, artist. i know it's crazy and when <laughs> i decided because i had never ever had the idea to do this and then 
Uh, sometime in this December, I thought, you know what, I should really do that. This yeah. will help me stay accountable. Awesome. So I asked her, and she said, wow, Dad, you're going to do it. Okay. And so she set me up with the guy, and he was great. Yeah. And not terribly expensive. Close to here, actually. So, okay, yeah, cool. So it was, um, it was a real positive experience. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so what, what from here sounds like uh, you want to start doing some more advocating, mm-hmm. obviously. And mm-hmm. um what else? Any anything else about kind of maintaining that hope and your mental health? What any kind of next steps that you're doing? It sounds like you're really rallying around a lot of pieces with the meditation right. and so forth. Yeah, I think you know it's right now. I've just got my finger in a lot of different pies and trying to see which one works the best for me. Yeah, and I'd like to you know just figure out a day by day getting better plan. Right. And, and what I'm doing right now seems to be working, so I'm not going to mess with it. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. do think, you know, big picture, long term, I think doing more advocacy work will help me with my own personal fight, too. And yep. it'll, it'll help other people, which always makes me feel good when I'm helping others. You know, I was, I'll come away from a face it session where I don't even talk about myself at all. I'm yeah. just helping out other guys, you yep. know, with contributing observations with their stories and right. I'll walk out feeling awesome because I'll know that I made a difference however small yeah. in someone's life that night. It's very therapeutic, isn't yes. it? Yes. Helping others and I think sharing our story. I mm-hmm. think there for me there is definitely a therapeutic um piece to it for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's so I just I'm really latched on to the uh men's group yeah. um aspect of it because I think the stigma is worse for men. Yeah. I do think that in the our society men are supposed to be the stoic ones who get yep. things done and solve problems. And if you have a problem and you admit it, then that's a weakness and you can't show weakness. And it's that kind of mentality. I remember sinking in on me as a kid. Yeah. And that was something that I, yeah, that could have contributed to my anxiety too is, you know, I didn't identify with that. I didn't, I knew I wasn't that kind of guy. I'm not the kind of guy who takes charge of every situation and, and, you know, just, I'm not the macho alpha type guy. Right. I'm, I have moments where I, in situations where I'm a leader and there's times when I'm a follower and there's times when I don't just and check okay, out and that's right? great. Yeah. You are who you are. Who you are. Exactly. And it's taken a long time for me to appreciate that and to accept that I can, like the person that I am, no matter what societal standards I do or don't conform to. Yeah. I think that's huge learning to accept ourselves and be happy with who we are with and without our faults. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's got some, Mm -hmm. um, any, uh, any final words you want to say before we uh, sign off words of hope for anybody who might be struggling Mm -hmm. with some depression. If you feel like there's something wrong, there probably is. Yeah. So, it's not going to go away on its own, so don't bury it. Reach out. You'll be surprised at how much support is out there for you. That's, the, I guess, the the biggest piece of hope is people care. Yeah. And there are so many, even people in your own life who you've never even talked to about depression, they'll overwhelmingly, the overwhelming majority will support you. I haven't gotten any flack from anybody about it. Right. So, I mean, it's it's definitely changing and Take this opportunity to reach out and get some help for yourself. Awesome. All right. 
Well, Patrick, I want to thank you very much uh, for taking a risk and uh, putting yourself out there and uh, letting me uh, interview you tonight. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad that uh, you made this podcast available, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. I sure hope so. All All right. right. Stay healthy. You too. Thank you for listening to The Depression Files. Please know that if you are currently suffering from depression and are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please reach out for help. In the United States, you can text to 741741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor, or you can go to suicide.org for a list of international suicide hotlines. If you're a man who has experienced depression and would like to be interviewed for the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at AlLevin18. Thank you again for listening to The Depression Files.